Okay, so today we have Roger Schantz joining us. Uh, Roger uh, is a has been a technician uh, with the University of Guelph since 1989, and since 2001, he has managed the Trial Garden Program, which has uh, locations at the university as well as uh, in Milton with the Landscape Ontario office as well as the Royal Botanical Gardens. Uh, this year, there was also container gardens at uh, Vineland Research and Innovation Center. Uh, Roger also works as a technician uh, for the Ornamental Plant Breeding Program in Guelph, and he teaches ornamental plant uses and identification uh, to undergraduate students at the university. So Roger, thank you for uh, taking the time to uh, chat with us today. Really excited to talk about uh, the Trial Garden Program specifically. Um, maybe you can start. Tell us a little bit more about what the trials are all about and uh, your experience over the last, you know, going on 20 years. Uh, well, thanks for the opportunity, Scott. This is uh, a, a great opportunity to talk about the trials, uh, especially this year with COVID limiting app, you know, people actually being able to attend our open houses. Um, but yeah, so the trial gardens uh, in, in uh, to summarize, it's, uh, it's a great way to evaluate plant material from breeders throughout the world, right? So I get plant material that has been initially bred in Japan or, or the United States or in Europe. And um, you can imagine the climate in, in the Europe is, is different than Southern Ontario. Um, Central California is different than Ontario, um, and, and Japan is different than Ontario. So, so we, we bring all this plant material to our, our, our trial sites and, and plant it out in different ways. We plant um, plants in the landscape, um, so the soil, um, the drainage issues, uh, the, the pH of the soil, um, how heavy it is, clay versus sand, um, those all play a factor in how well those plants do. Um, and then we also try uh, planting them in containers. Um, and the containers are much more popular or continue to gain popularity as far as the, a way of presenting and growing annuals in the home garden. And so, so we need to trial plants in those as well. And, and of course, the growing conditions in a container is different than in the landscape. So, um, so we grow, we, we trial plants in different ways. And, and, the, and one of the reasons why we have the trials in three different sites now is because, you know, it's, it, in a way, it's like having a replicate uh, where you, you try to maybe some, some catastrophic event happens at one trial site you have the other trial sites to sort of um, prevent it from being a loss, a season loss of, of research or evaluation. Um, but you also, you know, conditions are, the growing conditions are different slightly, you know, and in Guelph, we're probably colder than Milton. Um, now, this is just after Thanksgiving when we're Canadian Thanksgiving, I should say, when we're, we're taping this and the trials in Guelph have, have succumbed to frost, uh, whereas the uh, the trials in Milton, the landscape trials in Milton, are have been touched by frost, but are still growing. So, so it's nice to be able to uh, see how plants uh, survive in these different conditions. So, um, we trial annuals, we trial perennials, um, and 
to, to a, a much lesser degree, we have some vegetables that uh, sort of fit into to the mix too, because a lot of these breeders cover uh, ornamentals and vegetables and, and, and homeowners will have uh, on their patio, they may have some vegetables along with their flowers. So um, I like to call my, the vegetable trial that we do is vegetable for vegetables for small urban spaces, because that's really, uh, we don't want to, we're not a full blown trial, but we, we can see where there, there are some synergies uh, for the vegetables. So, and then the perennials, uh, again, perennials are very, very popular. A lot of people will garden with perennials instead of annuals because they like the fact you don't have to buy it every year. Um, the landscape industry, a lot, I, I, I see a lot of interest in perennials as well. So we need to be trialing perennials. And a lot of the breeders too will, will breed both annuals and perennials. So it's, it's um, just another way of working with these plant breeders and providing uh, a full service trialing trialing operation really for the industry and the public. Um, right. So That's in addition, I to ask. yeah, I wanted to ask a little bit more about, you know, who, who is it for? Um, you know, uh, is it, is it for, um, well, you tell me who, who is it for? Yeah. The trials so, there. so that's right. The, 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 the people who benefit from the trials, um, in addition to doing some screening uh, for the for the breeders, they know you know the breeders will be able to use this trialing program to see if Southern Ontario is a great place to to market a certain plant. Um, so if if it does really well in California but does really poorly in Ontario, then they may say, hey, we're not going to waste any money or, or promotion promoting that plant in Southern Ontario. Um, so the, so the breeders benefit that way. Um, the landscape industry um, has a chance to see these plants growing out um, in a number of different ways. So, you know, I know that people in the industry are, are going to be growing containers as well as planting annuals and perennials in the landscape. So to see how these uh, plants actually, in addition to performance, also combine with other things. So. I like to think of our landscape gardens at the Landscape Ontario office as being ideas gardens. And uh, so you have landscapers, you have, uh, you have members of the, you know, we also have visits from, from the parks departments of the municipalities to see how these plants actually combine. Um, so what colors go together, what textures go together. We, we do provide some ideas and demonstrations on some of those combinations. So, so that group benefits. Um, the trial gardens are also a way of like marketing, I guess, um, giving the industry uh, a year advance notice on, yeah, this is going to be coming next year. How does this, you know, so, so the, the garden centers potentially could, benefit from the trials and saying, yeah, those, those are great things. We need to have them on our benches for next year for the public. Um, garden writers have the opportunity to come and tour the trials and, and see, um, again, come up with material for, for their articles and, and um, media events um, and, and seeing, seeing what they've, they've read about um, 
or, or the, the material they, um, they get from the media releases they get from the breeders, for example, see if how those media releases compare to what actually happens um, in our trials. So they get the promote it. They're part of the promotion process, really, um, for for uh, for the next year. Then, of course, the public, um, the end user, gets to see these things as well and and um, develop, you know, something something for them to get excited about. Uh, looking for in the seed catalogs or on the on the garden center benches. So, you know, it's a bit of a challenge. Sometimes when you're dealing with brand new plant material, it's not always going to be available the next year. It may take a while for it to get into the system. So there, I realize there's a bit of a frustration factor there for the, for the end user. Um, but if the demand is there and the supply is there of, of the propagation material, oftentimes those plants will be readily available the following season. Right. So tell us about how the trials went this year. Obviously, um, you know, a lot going on in the world. I don't know if it, if it impacted uh, what you need to do to make these trials uh, a success every year, but um, tell us, how, how was it? And, and of course, um, you know, environmental conditions as well this year were, I know it was quite hot and there was some drought periods. Tell us how it went uh, across uh, 2021, uh, 2020. 2020, yes. <laughs> the, the year of interesting times um we yeah so i'll deal with covid of course that's the big one uh, we're still very much part of our life mm-hmm. um we were fortunate enough to be part of uh to get uh, approvals to to go ahead with our research and um so we had already started receiving plant material for our trials, the 2020 trials, when the shutdown started occurring. Um, so we were able to go ahead with, continue with greenhouse production on the plant material. And then using safety protocols, we were allowed to go into the fields and plant these plants. And, and of course that continued through to our open house. We following safety protocols, we had a, a very um, kind of compressed uh, open house season, which required people to sign up uh, or register ahead of time before coming. So that said, with all, all those that extra layer of uncertainty and complexity as far as planning, um, I would say that the trial season went well in spite of all of that. And um, yes, we had we had lots of heat. I think in the month of July, what seventeen days over thirty degrees, um, which <laughs> is a, a lot of a lot of heat. And and then of course the spotty um, spotty rainfall. Some places in Ontario would get rain, and others were were very dry. And um, so we're. You know, we could not have done the trialing program without irrigation, of course, but um, it really met made for uh, a difficult uh, or challenging establishment um, time because it was really hot and dry when we were start planting the gardens. So some of these plants were really experienced a lot of stress early on, but 
by the end of the summer, I have to say, I was really quite pleased with the majority of the plant material and how it performed. So Roger, I want to circle back a little bit to, to how, how do you get the plants themselves? Uh, what's that process? You mentioned, I think, um, maybe some greenhouse time for these plants. I don't know if that's something you do at one of the sites or if that's with a partner or partners. Tell us, how, how, do, you, how do plants come from the breeder to you? How does that selection process happen? And then logistically, how do you make that all work? Yeah. So... So the, the plant material comes typically, let's talk about annuals uh, to start off with. I either get seed and that usually arrives January in that, in that time frame, or I get cuttings or unrooted cuttings. Uh, I guess cuttings can come as unrooted cuttings or as rooted cuttings. And I get them both depending on the breeder. Um, so, so those plant, the cuttings would maybe arrive in March um, so back when I was growing, when Canada blooms was, uh, part of my routine, for example, I would grow plants for Canada blooms. And then as soon as the Canada blooms material would ship out, I would start growing the plants for the trial season. So, so typically the cuttings and, and things would be arriving in March. We would, um, if they're unrooted, they take about three weeks uh, in the propagation beds to get developed roots. And then from the rooted stage, we would plant into um, pots, so four and a half inch pots for some of the bigger plant material. And then if they're already rooted, we just plant, you know, they, they come in a box already rooted. We stick them into the containers and grow them on. So, so I grow all the plant material um, for the trials. So it's all started at the University of Guelph. Um, we have, have a helper uh, planned up everything and then we will um, split those plants, um, some to the Royal Botanical Garden, some to Landscape Ontario site and some to the Guelph site. And so the plants are all starting at the same point, which is kind of nice. And then they're, then they're growing on, and then that divert, uh, diverges or we diverge the planting environments uh, um, after that. So um, yeah, so so the once you get to the different trial sites, the water quality is slightly different. Um, and then, you know, that's where the uh, individual locations, uh, the environment and those locations come into play. So that's the beginning. Uh, and we talked a little bit about that uh, middle period um, in terms of the season itself. What's the end process like? Is there, do you do reporting um, to the breeders themselves? What is, um, yeah. how does that work? Well, and I, I'm going to say right up front, that can always be better, but I, I do what I, um, we uh, try to get the word out and certainly I report to the breeders. Um, I take lots of photographs because they, they, they speak uh, volumes about how the plants are doing. So, I will send photographs to the breeders so that they have a record. They can visually see what, what occurred uh, with their plants during the summer. Um, I'll also give some comments about um, in my report uh, about how the, the season went. Um, if there was a problem for some reason, let's say an irrigation line broke down, for example, uh, you know, you report on that. Um, 
and then and then how you know based sometimes we come up with numerical ratings and how well those plants did so that there's uh, we try to I'll, I'll look at a plant and assign it, you know, a scale of one to five, maybe it was a three, maybe it was a four, and you do those repeatedly through the season. And then we um, communicate the results. Now, I try to communicate, um, it's, there isn't a formal report I give out to the public, um, and maybe, and like I say, that's maybe something that with time I can do that. It's, uh, it just, it's just a matter of having the time to do some of these things, but I do write articles uh, for trade magazines. Um, you mentioned before um, in the introduction that maybe I, um, we'll, I'll give talks um, to the public, to um, Canada Blooms when we had that opportunity. Um, we would, you know, I try to communicate some of the highlights of the trial gardens um, and so what, you know, we, when people come to visit the trial gardens, I had them voting on their favorites. So I like to communicate to, to the industry and the public what the favorite plants were and, and uh, from those visits. But I also have my own favorites that, um, that I, because I see the plants over the course of the season, I sort of develop a different relationship with those plants than the public coming on one day would. Sure. And so, so I may be able to communicate that as well. So I'd love to ask you about that. That's actually a good segue in terms of um, uh, this year, were there any standouts, anything that uh, sort of jumped out to you that uh, you could tell us a little bit about? Yeah, sure. Um, I guess, you know, it's hard to just limit it to a handful, but mm -hmm. I, I'm going to try because of time. And um we have, you know, because we had so much heat, uh, the the downside uh, to, you know, that would make it tough for establishment, but the upside of that is that we have the plants who love heat did very, very well. And I think what I would say that um, we had a great year for zinnias. Wherever I went in all the trials, the zinnias in our trial really stood out. And uh, of course, they just love that heat. And one series, um, the Prestiosa Zinnia series, uh, was was quite amazing. Like a rainbow of colors, um, ranging from you know all the all the reds, shades of red, pinks, yellows, um, to white. It was it was really quite gorgeous. And um, and that, this is a, just a short little, uh, well about 30 centimeters, I guess, uh, high zinnia, but with a very large head and it really was dramatically colorful for the summer. And when you plant a large mass planting of zinnias and they all do well, it's quite, quite, a, quite dramatic. Um, another, uh, another plant that it maybe is quite exceptional, I think it's unique, is, um, is uh, a new petunia from Ball. It's called Bee's Knees, and and these breeders do have fun with their with their naming of plants. Yeah. But <laughs> and we can talk about that um, further. But with with this Bee's Knees petunia, it's uh, it's a very unique yellow, and um, I think that was one of the characteristics that really stood out. It's uh, and when the I noticed in the trials. Uh, as the the temperatures got cooler, 
this this summer and into September, that that deepness of the yellow um, was, increased, and and so I was quite impressed with that because I think with breeding, um, and we can talk about some of the goals in breeding a little bit later, but um, coming up with new colors to to extend the range of availability within a species is is certainly one of the goals and and to come up with a, a really good true yellow um is is uh was quite quite amazing and and uh, i really like that and then to top it all off this plant seems to be really really drought tolerant and cold tolerant and we um night like late in the season, sometimes petunias start to fade and they get diseased because you know the we get a lot of uh, moist conditions, heavy dews, and stuff like that. And and I found this plant standing up very well to that. So I, I'm I'm pretty excited about bees knees, and I'm hoping that it will be available um, or readily available to everyone next year if they want that color of petunia. Sure. Um, and would you like me to talk about some more plants or would you uh, mind yeah if you wouldn't mind yeah. talking about, I, I love hearing about um yeah some of these new some of these new cultivars it's very exciting okay okay i i was i was just thinking about um sometimes you get unusual plants and uh, and i think i think there's one that stands out is the salvia it's called lancelot and it was just unusual because, first of all, it starts off with sort of a triangular shaped leaf that's covered in a green leaf covered in white hairs, makes it look gray. And um, so I, I'm guessing, I don't know for sure what, where it got its name from, but it, the Lancelot Shields, I don't know if that's where it came from, but it, um, it was, it's quite a, I guess if you had to compare the appearance of the leaf, it'd be similar to uh, um, lamb's ears, woolly lamb's ears type of, of coloration, but it grows grows tall and 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 starts off with foliage, and then those flowers develop, and they're lavender colored full uh, flowers on a spike, and by the end of the season, this plant sort of spreads and and gets to heights of about one meter. So I, I've really found. You know, I guess one of the things about it is it was really quite unique from anything else in the trial and, um, and very, very fast growing and, and beautiful landscape plant. And it did, did well in the containers as well. And then um, again, getting back to the, a different type of plant that with fun names, this one is called Brainiac and uh, it's a, a Solosa. Yeah, a coxcomb type of celosia and you know it's it just playing on the fa- on the, the fact that as that inflorescence gets bigger it sort of looks like a brain uh the surface of a brain and um this this series the brainiac series had four colors um which were really quite attractive uh, yellow and pink and red and then a red with a dark foliage and um uh, so these these they didn't get very big. They only got to about uh, less than a foot high, but they were they were really um, quite compact and attractive. I think they did better in a container than they would have in a, in the landscape. Um, 
they just seem to be a little bit more vigorous and happy looking in a container, but uh, very attractive and, and certainly um, capture the attention of the visitors to the garden. That was one of their favorite plants. Sure, sure. So, yeah, so those are some of the annuals. Um, we had perennials as well, but uh, that that has really stood out, but I, I, I don't know if you want me to go on with that or not. Yeah, no, tell us about a, a perennial or two. That would be great, if you don't mind. Yeah, okay, well, I, I guess there is, uh, you know, we talk about um, the trial garden being part of, of the, uh, the ecosystem, I guess, and, and um, I, I always like to think of that as when I, I'm not growing in isolation from the, the natural world. So um, we, we try to plant things that are maybe attractive to pollinators, and that's certainly very much a, a big part of, of, our, uh, of the sense of, of being nature-friendly. And, uh, and I think there's a lot of interest between planting things to feed monarch butterflies, which is has been very much in the news over the last few years, as well as, as our native pollinators. So with that introduction, I just want to talk about some of those, um, you know, there's, there's an onion, for example, an ornamental onion that I grew this year that just got lots and lots of attention. And, uh, and I think part of it, it was, it was blooming as peak bloom right at the time of the open house. And um, I had it in the Guelph trial site. It didn't have enough plants to grow them elsewhere. So it was only in one location this year, but I will be moving it to Landscape Ontario. Um, it was called Allium Serendipity. And it was just, just covered in bees at the time of our open house. And uh, I think that was, of course it was gorgeous, a beautiful uh, mauve colored uh, flower that uh, it was just salt you know just continuously blooming and uh, we we uh, it was found it very very attractive and so so maybe I just end there with my talk about perennials we have a, I mean other than to say that this year we planted over 150 different perennials at the landscape in Ontario site and this is the first year of a very large perennial trial that I'm very excited about. So this trial is going to go multi-years. And um, usually the first year for per perennials, there's not a lot to see because those plants are getting established. Mm -hmm. I expect we'll have lots and lots of favorites from, from the perennials next year as those plants fill in and, and uh, start showing what they can offer. So... Um, I'm really looking forward to what they have, uh, what to what to see, and and what these things will do next year. Absolutely, yeah. No, I look forward to it. We'll have to connect again, and uh, yeah. we'll, we'll see how uh, how things went uh, this time next year. Yeah, I can't wait. Um, as a last thing, I want to move into a little bit about the breeding uh, part of your uh, of your interests and. Talk a little bit about uh, you mentioned a few things, but you know what do what do you look for? What do breeders look for when they're um, you know breeding new cultivars? What are some of the things that uh, you know? How does that process work? And what are the breeders looking for when they're creating uh, when they're looking to create new plants? Yeah, uh, that's it's going to vary with the different plants, um, different species. Um, with, with petunias, for example, I think um, within a series, and maybe I'll just explain what I mean by series. Yeah. I, 
the, breed, the breeders try to organize or market plants that have similar growing habits. So the wave petunia, which was just celebrated its 25th anniversary, has a certain growing habit. It'll grow very wide, um, more than a meter in the landscape, but stay very short in height. Tidal wave, which is a sister series in that, in the wave petunias is, grows very tall and it can get up to over 18 inches high and then, and then over a meter wide. So, so if you're going to market a plant as a wave petunia, you're going to want to have a very low growing, wide spreading plant. Tidal wave, you want it very tall and, and spreading. So that's what I mean by series. So, so when you are filling out a series, you're a plant breeder, you have a seed catalog or a plant catalog, you're trying to offer as many different colors within that series. So landscape designers can incorporate those different colors depending on the, the wants of the, of the client or, um, the, you know, certain, certainly certain colors are, are desirable over others. So, so what I'm saying there is that within a series, the, the breeders are trying to fill out all the colors, get as many colors as possible. So that is a goal. And like over the years, you know, recently, I guess back six years, seven years, uh, the, the, the black petunia came onto the market, right? Whether that's you know, there is a little niche market for a black petunia, but it was one of those goals that we were trying to come up with a new color that would expand the range available to petunia breeders. Um, it wasn't truly black, it was a really dark, dark purple, but it's it's still, it, it appears black to the casual observer. Sure. And then of course, we've got a yellow, this this improvement of the yellow coloration. So, so that's, so filling in the, the color spectrum, I think, within a series, within a group of plants is, is always, and always pushing it to the limit, can we get this new color and, and, and looking for opportunities to introduce new colors. So that would be one thing, but coming up with plants that are resilient, like um, breeding tolerance to, to drought, to extreme rain to um, um, to frost to a light frost can it handle a light frost I I'm always uh, that's always of interest to me especially at the Guelph trial garden where I, I if there's going to be a frost in the middle of September I'm going to get it <laughs> and <laughs> and it's very disappointing because sure. you may only have one night of frost and then you have four weeks of gorgeous growing weather and that one night ruined the rest of the fall for you as far as ornamental values. So to have something that can tolerate that. Um, disease tolerance, of course, or so those are, are things that are, there's always going to be something there, a new disease that's coming along that, that the plant breeders have to incorporate into, into the breeding, looking for, for resistance, incorporating those resistant traits. And, and most recently, I, I guess the the uh, the biggest success story was with the impatience, garden impatience, and having two breeders come out with uh, resistant uh, garden impatience uh, or, or resistant to to the disease impatience downy mildew. 
right. and to have have those plants coming out now um basically allowing it was you know when when the disease happened um seven eight years ago again when we essentially shut down the impatience industry and that was a large industry uh in ontario and those were the plants that were really desirable for shady areas in our yards and then to suddenly lose that um and try to replace it with other species that maybe didn't grow quite as fast or um, were more expensive to propagate and grow. Um, it, you know, that was that the fact that we do have an alternative now has been really quite, quite desirable. So, so that was a success and it seems to be re, uh, um, effectively reclaiming the, the shade gardens for impatience. Yeah. Fantastic. So Roger, why don't yeah. we just take a minute to look ahead? Uh, what do you, I mean, how, how early do you know what's going to be happening for, for the next se uh, for the next season? Uh, we're here in the fall of October of 2020. What do you expect for, for next year? If anything, at this point? Well, normally I would have uh, some expectations about for next year. And um, so in a normal no non-COVID-19 year, I would be going to trade shows. I'd be interacting with the breeders during this past summer. Um, I haven't had that opportunity this year. Right. And so I, it's going to take some time this fall making some phone calls to find out what's new and, and, and what to expect for the coming season. So what I, when I, um, I'll normally start to get spreadsheets of, of from these breeders about what to, will be shipping uh, probably the end of this, maybe in December, um, and then then I start receiving it. So I have to say I really don't know what's coming yet. Um, I've had um, there's been some interest from the breeders again in saying well, we'll be back, but I don't know with what yet. And uh, I hope I hope that we'll see an increase in the size of the container trial at Landscape Ontario. That was a great success this year. A lot of interest from those who visited. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if that's going to double in size this coming season. And uh, so that's that's in a general way. And I hope we get more perennials um, introduced again this coming season to add to the perennial trial. And there seems to be some interest that way from in general terms. So um, that's about we'll all I can see. say about it. Yeah, I mean, we will wait and see. I mean, yeah, I mean, I have to, I, I can say that the trial garden at, in Guelph will be changing the locations for the very first time in 20 years. And um, that's, that's a lot of work this fall and it's exciting. We're hoping it'll be a better location than the past. Um, but we've had to move from our old site to a new site. And, uh, so that's, uh, that'll be, it could create some more, some challenges, but also some opportunities as far as, um, displaying and growing the plants in the Guelph trial site. So that's, that's about a, looking forward. I'm thinking more of, of the layout of the gardens and, and, uh, uh, as opposed to the plants that are going sure. in there, which I don't know yet. Sure. No, I understand. Well, I certainly wish you luck with uh, 
with the process of moving uh, locations in Guelph. That sounds like a lot of work, but I'm sure uh, you and uh, uh, team members will will be able to do that well. And um, yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time to to chat about the trial gardens. I, I know I love watching um, watching them grow. I'm fortunate to work at Landscape Ontario, obviously, and get to see them up close and and on a regular basis throughout the season. And uh, it's one of my favorite parts of uh, of working at that site. And um, yeah, it's been really nice to chat with you. Uh, of course, uh, appreciate uh, your help over the years with the new plants. Uh, issue of Landscape Trades magazine as well. I think you touched on a few of the plants that uh, are going to be in that issue of the magazine uh, that's out this month so that uh, I hope people will go check out uh, check out some of the more details there and uh, I know you have some videos that uh, Landscape Ontario has filmed that will be coming out to, to chat even more in depth about some of the plants uh, from this year some of which you touched on today and and a few others that uh, that uh, people can go to those videos that'll be on Landscape Ontario's YouTube channel uh, to see even more and I look forward to uh, to continuing to uh, to work with you to, to uh, you know spread the information out to the to the landscape ministry and to the public because it's uh, it's a lot of fun. I know people, you know, there's always a lot of excitement around, uh, around new plants and, and seeing what's coming. So it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Thank you, Roger. It is. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Scott. <laughs> for having me. Great. All right. We'll leave it there. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Landscape Ontario podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, we hope you'll subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to get new episodes every month. And if you have an idea for the show, please email me at scott at landscapeontario.com. Thanks for listening.